go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6. We will eventually get back in our verse-by-verse study through the book of Acts, I promise. But this month, um, we're focusing on prayer and fasting as we go into our week of prayer and fasting at the end of the month. And so we're going to be talking about prayer today. And as I discussed a few Sundays ago, uh, we as we finished up our, our Christmas teaching, our Advent series through Luke chapter 2, um, if you guys weren't here, it was the last installment of that, if you will, or the last section of that chapter uh, was done online because we had a snow day. How many of you guys had fun on that day? It did make it, I mean, we, we didn't want to put our, our workers at risk and have the feeling like they had to come out here, but it did make it an easier day for me because instead of kind of hanging around and getting things in order before I went home, I got to like wrap up, put on snow clothes, and we walked up to the column and had an epic time on fresh powder. Amen. So it was a fun day. But having said that, if you didn't see that, I encourage you guys to watch online because it's on our YouTube or Facebook page because we're talking, we talked about something that came with that announcement that the angels made about Jesus that um, is very important, something that would come through him. One of the things I was talking about was just how, to some degree, every single one of us struggle with worry, anxiousness, anxiety all throughout our lives. Some of us, you know, like, at different points, struggle with it greater than at greater times. But would you guys all agree at some at some point we worry about things, right? So that's something we can all that relates to all of us. Whenever we see something that potentially is going sideways or might not work out a way we think is going to be good for us or whatnot, it can lead to worry. And worry is a pretty horrible feeling, right? I mean, nobody would wish to have that upon themselves. Nobody enjoys being worried, and, and in some cases, I mean, when we struggle with anxiousness and anxiety, it can get to the point where it's really debilitating, okay? So as I shared on in that message from Luke 2, that's another reason why that message that the angels gave to the shepherds to us too was such good news, because one of the things they pointed out was that through this announcement of Jesus being born, what would come through him would be peace. And, and not just like, peace like we experience where it's kind of here one moment and then it's gone but no persistent lasting peace that you can have no matter what your circumstances are actually in luke 2 14 what they said was peace on earth to those whom god is pleased and we know that it was through faith in jesus and what he did for us on that cross that god could be pleased with us right it's not based off of anything you've done or anything you've earned because no matter how hard we tried there's not enough good things we could do to earn God's favor because those bad things would always remain, all right? And, and God, in being perfect and righteous, is also just, and he has to justly deal with sin. And every single one of us is guilty of sin. And so through Jesus coming and dying a, a sinner's death, not for any sin he did, but for my sin, for your sin on that cross, and taking the penalty our sin deserved, through doing that, we believing in our need for him to save us can be forgiven of all our sin. And that makes us right in God's eyes. Basically, God, if you've done that, God looks at you and he sees the perfection of his son. We gave Jesus our sin. He gave us his righteousness. And you couldn't be any more perfect in God's eyes than you are right now. Amen. 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 And so because of that, we have this confident hope that we are right with God or God is pleased with us just as in a smaller sense, not as perfect, but just as my kids could never do anything 
so wrong that I would still, I'm still going to love him. I'm still going to be pleased with him in an even more perfect sense because God truly sees you as his perfect son or daughter. Um, he's pleased with you. Maybe that's a word for some of you today. You're just struggling with condemnation or guilt that's not of the Lord, it's of the enemy. And God just wants to remind you that he is pleased with you. You can be confident of that through faith in Jesus Christ, right? But here's the thing. So if God's pleased with us based off of what these angels said there in Luke 2, it would stand to reason that we should have peace in our lives at all times, right? I mean, because it says, you know, peace on earth to those with whom God pleased. Well, if I know God's pleased with me, I should have peace. But how many of us have peace 100% of the time? We don't. We still struggle with it. It's one of those things as a Christian that it's not like you just snap your finger and all of a sudden you understand it. It's something that God has to teach us. Just like we have to teach our kids things. We have to learn to live in this peace. Now, God knew we'd struggle with learning this and and to live in this peace because we still have things around us that scare us. Our flesh is still susceptible to fear. So he instructs us in his word how to obtain or access this peace. Like basically he gave us a tangible thing. He said, this will help you live in this peace. And that thing that he gave us was prayer. All right. Prayer being one of the main ways that we see in God's word that his people communicate or talk with him. And and the way I like to think of it is just as my kids sometimes come to me fearful and worried and anxious, and they have to have a talk with their dad in order to calm them down. It's the same thing with God. Through our faith in Jesus, through the fact that we're right with him and we know he's pleased with us, we have this relationship with him where we can come to him and we can talk things out and he can set us straight, which he often does through his word because this is full of all the promises why we have no reason to fear, but also just through prayer. He reminds us of these promises. He reminds us of his faithfulness and he calms us down and he reminds us of the reasons why we can be at peace. Paul actually tells us about this prayer being used to give us peace in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So what we see there is that prayer is the important key to overcoming worry in your life and experiencing the peace God intends for you. This passage being what I sense was a theme to kind of dwell on, if you will, going into this week of prayer and fasting is God wants us not only to believe theologically that we can have peace in him, but he really wants us to learn to live and experience this in our lives in this world full of things that can lead to the opposite of peace and unrest would you guys agree with that we're kind of bombarded with it all around us all the time and so this is an important thing for us to learn to live in and since we all want peace in our lives really i would say every decision that we make to some degree or another is wanting to accomplish peace You want good things. We associate good things with leading to peace or things going our way. So all our decisions are leading to that direction that we make for ourselves. Nobody's actively or purposely making bad decisions that would bring bad things into their lives. This should intrigue us and want us to learn about this thing called prayer to make sure we're utilizing it correctly 
so that we can experience the peace God wants for us. And so the best place to learn about prayer is God's word because God is the one that instituted it. God is the one that has made it possible to have this relationship with him so we can have peace. And Jesus actually teaches his disciples about prayer specifically in a couple of the gospels because like us, they wanted to learn, teach us to pray, teach us to pray. They actually ask him in, in Luke 11, 1, Lord, teach us to pray because they saw the example of Jesus and how prayer was something that was very important to him. And so they wanting to be like him and follow him wanted to know, Lord, teach us to do this. And I want you to note that in that passage, they ask him to teach them how to pray because our greatest problem is not mastering a proper technique in prayer or understanding how to approach it properly, where it's very good and helpful to know those things and God's word teaches us those things. But our greatest problem is learning to pray itself constantly in our lives as the Bible tells us to do. Because where it can feel natural for us to, in a sense, call out to God when we're in trouble. Because we have this instinct built in us of our need for God and of our need for help. That's natural. How many of you would agree that it is not a natural thing to pray consistently or all the time in your life unless you're really intentional about it? Like it, it doesn't happen on its own, right? You have to make that effort for it to happen, all right? But we do do that, not being legalistic, but out of discipline because we know it's good for us, okay? We have to learn to do that. And here's the reason for it too. Because if we can obtain peace through prayer and we want peace constantly in our lives, all right? Track track with me here. If prayer leads to peace and you want to be at peace constantly in your life, that means that if we can learn to pray constantly we can learn to be in peace constantly and that idea of praying constantly or regularly in your life shouldn't be something that we see as like well i don't know if i can do that well we're told in a couple places one of them being romans twelve twelve, where paul says pray constantly to do it and god would not tell you to do something that he couldn't enable you to do through his holy spirit all right so we can learn to do this all right and we can learn to experience that peace that he intends for us and the reason being that prayer helps us fixate our mind on god or the one that we're directing our prayers to the basically the one we're talking to and what isaiah says in 26:3 when happens when we do that is he says you will keep this he's talking to god you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you all whose thoughts are fixed on you so when we pray in essence what we're doing is in humility acknowledging that i cannot figure this out myself i cannot handle this myself i am not going to trust myself or anyone else or anything else what i'm going to do is i'm going to trust you god you are more mightier than anyone else you know all things. Nothing slips your mind. I know that you only have good things for me. So I am trusting you instead of trusting myself or anyone else. You're fixating your mind on the one that is most worthy of your trust. And that is what will keep you in perfect peace. So going into this week of prayer and fasting, we're going to look at what Jesus has to say about prayer uh, and fasting in Matthew 6, 5 through 18, another place where Jesus is teaching his disciples specifically about these things is I believe that the model 
of prayer that Jesus gives here for us gives us seven key reasons why prayer is necessary for you to have peace in your life. And so if you're a note taker, I encourage you to write journal this stuff down. If you're not, learn to be one. All right, mentally put it away because these things are important points, all right? So let me pray and then we'll start going through this verse by verse. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, again, we just ask for you to really speak to us through your word. We, we know that your word we see, even in the book of Acts as we're normally going through, that the, your spirit works through the teaching of your word. Everywhere your disciples went, everywhere they, they got to share about you, it was through the teaching of your word. And that's really where your power works through, Lord. It, it has a way of penetrating us to the deepest parts of us and revealing things that we believe that are wrong, showing us what's truth and right, changing our wrong thoughts into right thoughts. Lord, we've experienced this in our lives to some degree or another, that it's your war, word that is conforming us to the image of your son. And we know it's all good and it's all right. So we don't want to miss anything you want to do in us through it. And especially on this topic, Lord, this this thing that we can all deal with or we all deal with in some way or another in our life and can really be a horrible thing when it gets out of control as far as being worried and anxious and having fear. It can in a lot of ways just make us kind of want to curl up and... and, and do nothing, and, and that's exactly where the enemy would want us because that's not what you want for us, Lord. You want us to be live this abundant life where we're being you, where you're doing work in us and you're doing work through us and you're furthering your kingdom and and we're experiencing the blessedness of all those things and, and, and the enemy would want to rob us of all that. So, Lord, we want to live in that freedom we have in you and peace is one of the benefits of it. So teach us to pray so that we can experience this peace in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's starting in verse 5. It says, Jesus says, and when you pray, I'd like to point out there when I go through this when, because it's not an if. This is supposed to be a regular part of our lives. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So the first reason that prayer is necessary for peace in your life is because, number one, write this down. There is a guaranteed reward with it that you could never guarantee for yourself, all right? There's a guaranteed reward with it that you could never guarantee for yourself. Jesus says when you pray to God, there's a reward. Now, reward is something desirable and good that you obtain as a result of your actions, all right? And I would argue that every decision, basically, we make in life is the re- is with the intent of being rewarded by it in a favorable way, all right? Again, none of us are making just bad decisions on purpose, even though we find ourselves making that mistake. We, we still don't. That's, we're trying to get favorable results. And one of the reasons is because we believe they will lead to joy and peace, as we talked about through our, our Christmas uh, series, like in our lives. When we 
when our circumstances are good and we make our decisions based off of that. But here Jesus tells us that prayer leads to rewards in our lives. And the thing I want to remind us is that God isn't writing checks he can't cash and making this statement, okay? Whereas you can't guarantee rewards for any decisions you make, God most certainly can make that promise and keep it. So it makes a lot more sense for us to go to him in prayer when we're guaranteed to be rewarded for it than it does for us to take our chances and trying to figure things out ourselves. Would you guys agree with that? All right? Now, as often the case with promises in God's word, details aren't given as far as what those rewards are going to be, all right? But here's the thing. I need should not need to remind you, and just if you know who God is from his word and what he's promised you, you don't need the details to know that if he says, I'm going to reward you, that you absolutely want whatever that reward is, okay? Seeing as how he only has good plans for you, which Jody reminded us last week in her testimony from the word, all right? But also because he's told us over and over again in his word, that he is for us and not against us. He's working all things for the good of those that love him or called according to their purpose. That he has good plans for us, right? Now, that doesn't mean they're going to be in line with your plans. But if we're being honest with ourselves, how many of us can sit here and say that anytime our plans work out, 100% of the time, they're always good for us? How many of you have made the mistake of thinking that this is a good plan for my life? I'm going to go this way only to find out it was a horrible decision. I mean, that happens over and over again in my life, okay? So again, the point I'm trying to make is here, I can't guarantee that even my own plans that I think are good, going to be good for me, yet God can do that, all right? That's a reason why we should go to him instead of trying to figure it out ourselves. Now, the caveat is that we're praying with the right motives, according to verses 5 through 6, in order for us to receive these rewards from God when we go to seek him. Not to be seen by others or appear super spiritual. That's kind of what Jesus is pointing out here. But rather that we're going to God with a sincere heart that, Lord, I just want what you want. I know you know what's best. I trust you. I'm just looking to you to help me in this situation. It's, it, it, prayer is just between you and him. It doesn't mean you can't pray with other people as corporate prayer is encouraged by Jesus himself with a special bless, blessing attached to it in Matthew 18. Um, and we see examples of believers praying together all throughout the Bible. But our desire in our prayer is just to be with God. We're talking to God. We're going to God. It's just between him and me. And that's a good thing to remember because if there is a reason why we're sometimes uh, um, self-conscious about praying with other people, it's because we're worried what they're going to think of us if we're like going to say something wrong or if we're not going to sound holy enough. But basically what Jesus is saying here is that's not even something that should be considered when we're praying right. It's just between you and God. And you're not going to, just as my my kids, even when they're learning, like my, my son Zeke right now, and he's a toddler, and all he can say when he wants to do something is, me, me, I'm going to the park, me, me. It's like he's not saying proper English there, but I, I get what he's saying, and I love him for it, all right? So you're not going to pray wrong to God. He as we're going to see in a minute. Here's he knows what you need before you're asked. You're not even making him aware of anything he doesn't already know. All right? So that's all that matters. It's, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. So let that be an encouragement to you. All right? Now Jesus goes on in verses 7 through 8 to further further emphasize 
that it's the heart or sincerity behind our prayer that matters to God, not so much what you say or the words you use. And he says in verse 7, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And hence the second reason prayer is necessary for peace in our lives is because, number two, God knows what we need better than we do. And prayer is the way to access those needs. Okay, number two, God knows what you need better than you do. And prayer is the way to access those needs. Okay, these Gentiles, they were thinking that they were somehow convincing God to listen to them by the length of their prayers. Like, oh, if I just yell loud enough or if I talk enough, God's obviously going to give me his attention. So their their prayers were all words. There was no sincerity. There was no meaning behind it. But Jesus points out that, hey, guys, in case you didn't know, God's omniscient. Like, he knows all things. So when you're praying, you're not bringing anything to his attention that he doesn't already know, okay? It's not, again, whenever the Bible tells us something, we have to get in the frame of mind of understanding that it's not for God's benefit. It's for yours. It's for mine, okay? And so prayer is the same thing. It's for our benefit to come to God with our requests. It's not for his benefit, okay? And here's the other thing. You're not trying to gain his attention in any way. It's not like you're trying to speak loud enough so that he listens to you. We pray or talk to God because through your faith in Jesus, through the fact that you've been made his child, you already have his complete undivided attention. Just like my kids have my complete undivided attention because I love them and I have a good plan for them and I only want good things for them. So I'm not trying, they don't have to earn my affection. They don't have to earn my ear. It's like, I want to hear what they have to say. And to an even more greater degree, God does with you, all right? And that's why First Peter 5 through 7, Peter tells us, give all your worries and cares to God. Why? Because he cares about you. It's a rational thing to do that we come to God in prayer because he cares about us more so than anyone else as demonstrated by him allowing his son to die for you. So we so often lack peace because here's the thing. We try to lead ourselves in our lives without involving God. And peace in our minds comes with a sure expectation of things working out in a good way or the way we want. Okay. That's why we make the decisions we do. But there, as I said before, there's no way you can guarantee that you will have things work out in a favorable way based off of your decisions. As we're not capable of always knowing what is best for us is proven by our past history of making horrible decisions over and over again. Okay, I really want to drive that home because any of us, any one of us should be able to recognize the fact that we are not a hundred for a hundred in shooting in our decisions, all right? Our, our shooting percentage is pretty low, okay? So, but God is not capable of making mistakes, all right? He's not. He's perfect because he knows all things that he's good in everything he does. And according to Romans 12, 2, if you guys were here Thursday night, we went through this for seek night, prayed through it. It says that his will will always be good for you, number one, pleasing to you, number two, and perfect for you. Okay, that's a true story. That's what he says, and that's what we see over and over again in our lives. And as such, when you surrender things over to him to lead you in or handle for you in prayer, you truly can have peace in knowing 
that they're going to work out or he's going to respond in a favorable way. Again, doesn't have to be the way you would like for it to be favorable. But because of who he is, because of what he said, because of his track record being perfect, you can have that complete confidence where you can never have it in yourself or anyone else. And that is where you're going to find peace. Amen? Amen. So then Jesus goes on to tell us how to approach God properly in prayer in verse 9, where he says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And here lies the third reason prayer is necessary for peace in your life. And that is because of who God is. Number three, because of who God is. His name speaks, or his location, all right, speaks of who he is and the fact that he's in heaven. All right, that speaks of his power. It speaks of his omniscient, like where he knows all things. It speaks of his holiness, his righteousness, his sovereignty. And his name is to be hallowed or basically ideas like greatly honored above anything or anyone else and respected as such. And while it's true that God is the mighty sovereign creator of you and everything else in this universe. And therefore, that's something to assure you that no matter how big the thing is in your life, seemingly to you, it's a small thing to him to answer. And he absolutely can. All right. It's important to remember that part. But here's the other flip side of this is that through our faith in Jesus, we've also been given the special privileged relationship with the almighty creator of the universe where you get to come to him as a child comes to their father. All right. That's a pretty crazy thing if you think about it. But that's the reality. And there's a confidence, as I pointed out before, in that you have this relationship where you can be absolutely confident that he wants you to come to you. That he loves you and cares for you, that he has these good plans, that he's not trying to hide from you. He wants to make them known to you and he wants to lead you into them just as. A father, I absolutely desire my kids to come and talk to me about things so I can calm them down, so I can give them peace, so I can lead them in a right direction where it'll be good things for them. That's how God wants for you. That's the relationship you have with him. That's what his word tells us. And just as I want to take care of all my kids' needs, and again, so that they don't have to, that they don't have to have stress, they don't have to worry and anxious, that's not their job. I'm their dad. It's my job to take care of things. That's how God feels about you. And here's the reality. We all grow up in this world and we get to a point, every single one of us, often way more premature than we're ever ready to do, but we we get to this point where we think we can take care of ourselves. Right? A lot of you guys have teenagers in that boat right now. I don't need you. I can take care of myself. I know what's best. And then we, we, we get married and, and we have other people that we love to take care of, all right? And what we learn really quick is, man, this is really hard to try to take care of myself. It's kind of a no-win situation because no matter what I do, I fail at it. It's just so hard. I feel like I can't do it. And here's the reason, or here's the thing. We feel almost helpless or, or we feel because there's no one that can help us and it's somehow our responsibility, but it's such a lie, that's the thing is you were never created to take care of yourself by yourself or, or take care of anyone else without any help. Basically, you were meant to be taken care of by God. And when Jesus 
came or when it was prophesied that he would come, one of the names given to him in Isaiah 9, 6 spoke of that because one of the names that he was to go by, which spoke of one of the things that he came to do was everlasting father. That's what Jesus came to be in your life. And just as my kids have to come to me to ask for help when they need it, or in a sense, they have to let me be their father to access the benefits of being a father. They can try to be their own parents. doesn't work out very well for them. But they have to come to me to gain that access and that benefit of me being their father so they can have peace in their lives. So too we must come to God through prayer and look to him to take care of us instead of trying to take care of ourselves. Why? Because we understand who he is. We understand how mighty he is. We understand how he knows all things where we don't. We understand who he is from his word. And so that drives us to him to take advantage of that benefit of our relationship with him. To look to him through prayer to be that father in our lives and not try to parent ourselves. Amen. And that will lead to peace in your life. All right. Next in verse 10. Jesus tells us what the purpose of our prayer should be. In verse 10, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the fourth reason prayer is necessary for peace in our lives is, uh, number four, because our lives are fulfilled in his will being done rather than our own. Number four, because our lives are fulfilled in his will being done rather than our own. Own. So understand this, God's kingdom is wherever he is at. And since his spirit is in us, his kingdom is with his people, spiritually speaking. It goes wherever we go in this world. Now, practically, Jesus is coming back and he's going to establish his physical kingdom on this earth for a thousand years. Can I get an amen? We're all looking forward to that. All right. But right now, His kingdom is seen and spread, if you will, through his children being a light in this dark world and sharing Jesus with people and people getting saved. And his will or purpose in everything he does in and through us is to further his kingdom. Now, our tendency can be to only want his will to be done in our lives if it's in line with what we would like to see. Again, thinking that if what I want to happen happens, then that will lead to peace and joy in my life. We think that things going our way has to happen for us to have peace and joy. So that's why we can have this tendency to think, well, as long as his will lines up with mine, I'm okay with it. But we have to remember, again, that we're limited in our understanding of any given situation. No matter how wise or smart you might be, you don't know everything that you think you do. But God does. Nothing slips his mind. He knows all things. He knows the past, present, and future. He knows what's going to happen, which we can never know, okay? And because of this, his will is always going to be far better than ours. And we can trust it'll be for our good because he makes that promise. As I pointed out, Romans eight twenty eight, he does. But again, we can make the mistake of thinking that our peace, similar to joy, as I talked about during the Christmas series, will be found in our circumstances, which has proven to be false over and over again. Would you guys agree with that? You've experienced where I'm going to be happy if this happens. I'm going to have peace if this thing happens. And then it doesn't, it it happens the way you thought it was, but it doesn't turn out to be what you thought it was. All right. I remember five or six years ago when we were trying to find somewhere to live permanently and 
we went the route that we thought was so great, that was so cheap. We bought a piece of land and tried to build a house with a builder, and it was just a nightmare. We lost money. Then we tried, didn't learn, tried to do another builder, didn't work out. And all this trying to make this happen, what God's plan all along was to put on someone's hearts to sell us their house at a price that we, like, way lower than what it was worth. There's, it was totally a God thing. And he saved us from all those mistakes. But all that to say is, in our minds, this is the greatest thing. This is being responsible. This is like what we can afford. And, and, and when we got there, it was just horrible. Okay? So that thing that we thought would bring us peace and joy, it didn't do it. So we make that mistake. And, and, and our, your peace is never going to be found in anything. It's only going to be found in Jesus Christ. He actually tells us this. In John 16, 33, Jesus says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. What does that mean? Well, he goes on. He says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. That's why you can't have peace in your circumstances. Because inevitably, your circumstances are always going to include trials and sorrows. And if your peace is based on things going your way, guess what? When those trials and sorrows come, that peace is gone. So that's just, it, it's an absolute. It can't happen. You can't have lasting peace in this world because we live in a sinful fallen world and things are hard. All right. But he goes on to say, take heart or you're going to be okay because I've overcome this world. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago and the fact that you, when it says you've been saved, it's past tense. Just because you're not in heaven with Jesus yet, doesn't mean you're not a part of his kingdom. You're part of his kingdom right now. You are saved, saint. It's not something that there's a work that's going on preparing you for that wedding day when you're going to be reunited with the bridegroom. But you're saved. So all of those, those, those horrible things in front of you that bring can bring so much fear and worry because you think that you're going to be destroyed or hurt in some way. No, no, no. You've been saved from it. And we're training ourselves to live in that saved life. Think of it this way. How many of you guys played Mario Brothers when you were kids? All right. Or Pac-Man. Okay, now every game to some degree has this. I don't know about the new games. I don't, they're so complicated. I'm like, just give me a joystick and two buttons, A and B, I'm good. Okay? Um, but having said that, like, you remember, like, what, what happened when Mario got one of those magic mushrooms? Mario. Not, or, sorry, Mario. Thanks. <laughs> don't ever correct me again from the stage. <laughs> All right, Mario. Sorry. <laughs> Crick or creek? <laughs> Depends if you're from Napa or Astoria, right? All right. So, Mario. You're going to make me lose my train of thought. All right. What happens when Mario eats one of those mushrooms? He becomes Super Mario, right? Or Super Mario. Um, but he becomes like invincible, right? Or what when when Pac-Man eats one of the it's a cherry, I think, right? And and Pac-Man becomes like invincible. He's still got to like deal with the bad guys and go through if you will the trials of the game and the pitfalls and all that. But in a very real sense, like they're invincible. And I know it doesn't always feel this way in this life, but through your faith in Jesus, you really have been made invincible 
Because if you, you know, I point this out often, but the reality is the worst thing that can happen to you in this life is death. That's what everyone's so fearful of. But through faith in Jesus, death has been defeated. There's nothing to fear anymore. The very worst thing that could happen to you is now the best thing because you're just moving up. That's graduation day, and that's where we go into eternity, where all the sorrow and pain is left behind. So you are invincible in the sense that, yes, you still have to endure, but you can take heart because you're saved from this world. He's overcome it. All right? That is why our peace is found in him. Okay? And we're closest to him when we're letting him lead us into his will for us. And it's through prayer that you will look to him to lead you. All right? And you will find peace in his will being fulfilled in your life. Amen? All right. Next, Jesus talks about praying for God's provision in our lives. Give us this day our daily bread. So the fifth reason prayer is necessary for peace in our lives is because, number five, because God is the provider of all of our needs that we could never provide for ourselves. All right? God is the provider of all of our needs that we could never provide for ourselves. So when Jesus says bread here, he really means bread because bread, bread Glorious bread. I've been eating keto since the beginning of the year. And oh my gosh, I miss bread. Bread was a staple of the daily diets back then, all right? You guys that believe gluten-free was like some old like habit? No, all right? Maybe, maybe unleavened bread is gluten-free, but no, they ate like glorious gluten-filled bread, all right? So... Sorry, I get really excited about it. It's like, oh, the thought of bread. <laughs> People always talk about like keto, like you can eat all the fat you want. You can have butter. I'm like, I got no bread to put my butter on. I'm like, I eat no stick of butter. <laughs> all right. So anyways, he's talking about bread because it's like something that would relate to everyone. Like this is something you'd eat every day. So he's using that as an example uh, to teach us like th- this was a daily need, like an immediate need. And, 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 and like just like your food on the table, the, the, the roof over your head, the clothes on your back. Something Jesus promises to provide for us later on in this chapter is our daily needs. Everything you need to survive daily, God provides for us or he promises to provide for us. And we can have this tendency to only go to God for the big stuff, the scary stuff, which is absolutely okay. There's nothing a matter with that because he wants us to trust him with everything. But we take for granted the everyday things that we need to survive. It isn't just the big things that God cares about, but the everyday details as well. We're as dependent on him as our kids are dependent on us for their survival. I know they don't all think that, but that's the reality. They would be just a goner, all right? Samuel, you would be a goner if it wasn't for me. All right. But here's the thing. <laughs> Can I get an amen, kid? Come on. Come on. <laughs> but we are dependent on him. And there's this great lesson in how we should approach God and praying for our needs in this verse by doing it daily or making requests one day at a time. Now, in my flesh, Rest assured, I would much rather have the grand plan laid out for me. If I knew that I was going to be good for the whole year, 
That would be nice. I'd have total peace of mind. Oh, yeah, you know, I see the whole plan. I agree with this plan. I put my stamp on it. I'm okay with that. But that's not the way it works. Because here's the thing. If I had that type of assurance in advance and how things would be, guess what? I wouldn't do. I wouldn't pray or have a reason to pray daily because I'd already know there's a need there. And here's the thing. Here's the problem with that is that even though I think that my daily bread is what I need so bad, really what I need more than the daily bread is the provider of that bread. Or that thing that I'm praying for is what I think I need so bad. What I need is the one that is going to provide that thing in my life or that need in my life. Jesus telling us in John 6.35, actually telling us, but also a whole group of people that were looking for him to literally give them more bread. Like he had just miraculously fed like over 5,000 people and they followed him and they're like, do more miracles for us, Jesus. And so he says in John 6.35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. In essence, what he's teaching them is, guys, I can do this for you. I have done this for you. But don't you see that you're just always going to want more? You're not going to you're not finding what you're looking for. You're not being satisfied in these temporal things in this world. You need me first and foremost to satisfy your soul. You need me for the joy and the peace that you're looking for. See, so often we think we need the thing to be satisfied or have peace. But what we need is, again, the one that is the provider of those things. And having to pray for your daily bread requires you to involve him in your lives daily and stay close to him, which is the best place you could be because in him you will not only find satisfaction, but in him you will find peace. And so that's why we need to pray daily. All right. One of the reasons also being because no matter how you try, you cannot guarantee to yourself that your needs are going to be met and provided for. How many of you guys have realized that in your life? You can be the hardest worker. There's nothing to matter with that. That's a good biblical principle. But even when you try your hardest and you try your best, you cannot provide for yourself. Guaranteed. There's no guarantee you can. Only God has the power to make that kind of promise to you and keep it, and he actually does in Matthew 6, 25 through 34. So when your reliance is on him through prayer instead of on yourself, you will experience peace of mind that you could never give yourself. Amen? All right. Next, Jesus says that we should pray for God's forgiveness in our lives. Verse 12, it says, and forgive us our debts, or sin is the idea, as we also have forgiven our debtors, or those that have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, verse 12 is a continuation of the sentence that started in verse 11, talking about our daily bread. So the exhortation of doing it daily applies to these prayers as well as our need for daily forgiveness is just as real as our need for daily provisions. Bread may be uh, a need of our body, but forgiveness is a need of our soul. And so here lies the sixth reason prayer is necessary for peace in your life, and that is because we need forgiveness. Number six, because we need forgiveness. So this word forgive here literally means to send away 
or release. As positionally with God, through your faith in Jesus Christ, you have been forgiven. All right? When he said it's finished, it was finished. You've been forgiven. There's nothing left to forgive if you've trusted him to forgive you. But practically, when we have unconfessed sin in our lives, it can create a lack of peace and an awkwardness in our relationship with God because it opens you up to this condemnation and guilt from the enemy that God doesn't intend for you, but because you feel like you're hiding something, which let me just remind you, you're not hiding anything from God. He saved you fully knowing every sin that you would ever commit. And he loved you anyways and paid for those sins. But we feel like we're hiding, just like when our kids do something wrong and they're not telling us about it. Okay? I love it when Zeke comes up to me and he looks all guilty, like just, hmm, hmm, and what'd you do? Like, just like nothing, you know, like just starts walking the other way, looks down or whatever. I can just tell he did something, you know, but it's like, that's the way there's this awkwardness and it feels like something you're carrying around like a weight, just an uncomfortableness. And that's why John says in first John one nine, but if this is something we have to do, if we confess our sins through prayer, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and number two, to cleanse us from all wickedness. So when we come to God in honesty with our sin through prayer, basically we can know in confidence that we're forgiven of it because that sin's been paid for. But also because what, what also happens is we can release it then knowing we're forgiven of it or cleansed of it knowing that there's no condemnation. I don't, I, I, this has been paid for. Jesus paid for it, man, and it was a great sacrifice. I don't have to carry this around with me. I don't have to be burdened. I just, I look to God to help me move forward in, in, in the power of, of his might, as we're going to look at in a second, so I, so I can walk in that freedom of this sin. And knowing that you're at peace with God, knowing that he doesn't hold that over your head, gives you peace in your life. Because what it does is it takes away all the enemy's ammo. Because when he comes at you and he says, oh, yeah, you dropped the ball again, Chris. Man, you're not worthy of the grace that's been shown to you. And I can absolutely sit there with 100% honesty and say, you're right, I'm not. But guess what? God loves me and he says I'm forgiven of it and I'm so thankful for that. And that just shuts the enemy right up. If you take the very thing he's trying to use against you and you throw it back in his faith with the truth of the gospel, he's got nothing. And that's why I just want to be open with God and honest about any sin in my life. And verse 12 goes on to say that we should forgive those that have sinned against us as well. Speaking in the past tense, meaning that even before we come to God with our sin, we better make sure that we've forgiven anyone that has wronged us in some way, uh, if applicable, if that's in our life. Because here's the thing, if you're harboring unforgiveness in your life, and you guys probably have experienced this, that leads to the opposite of peace. What that opens the door for is division and bitterness and anger. And that in itself is like a weight that you're carrying around that you can immediately be released of in making that choice to show the same grace that God showed you to whoever it is that wronged you and say, I forgive you. And let me remind you, saying you forgive them doesn't mean that you're saying they were right. Just like God never said we did anything. He's not saying our sin was ever right in forgiving us. But grace is undeserved, unearned, unmerited favor. He chose because of his love for us to show grace to us, even though we didn't deserve it. And that is, by the power of his Holy Spirit in us, the type of grace we show to each other. 
And we, in essence, what we're doing through prayer is trusting it to God. I trust you to deal with this. I've been freed. I don't need to carry this around. And you will have peace in your life when you do that. Amen? All right. Last but not least, going back to verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So Jesus here says we should pray for God's protection from temptation. Here lies the seventh and final reason why prayer is necessary for peace in your life. And that is because God keeps us from sin and the damage it causes that leads to nothing but distress in your life. Number seven, God keeps because God keeps us from sin and the damage it causes that leads to distress in our lives. Testing and temptation are in essence the same thing in the Bible. As you might have heard it said before, what the enemy would use to tempt you, God allows to test you, okay? And God doesn't tip men to do evil, according to James 1.13, but rather wants to deliver you from it, as Jesus says here. But we have to approach temptation with humility, looking to God to help us understanding that we are not very good at handling it ourselves. Hence the years you spent apart from Jesus. Amen? And we can still not, we're no match for it without his help. Paul actually tells us in 1 Corinthians 10 through uh, 10, chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Oh, man. That is something we need to be cautious of. If we're ever in a place where we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that sin doesn't apply to me. That's what he's talking about. Don't be in that place. Greater people than me have fallen from things. And I can tell you, almost 100 out of 100, no one goes into anything thinking, I'm just going to commit a horrible sin here and destroy my life or destroy my family or whatever. But it's that heart of humility that causes us to go to God in prayer for protection, all right? And Paul goes on to say, no temptation or test has overtaken you that is not common to man, or we all deal with the same things. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted or tested beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So what that tells us is that God never sets you up for failure. He won't allow any test in your life or temptation from the enemy that he won't also give you the grace to endure and overcome, which you access through prayer. So when we approach temptation in humility by, Lord, protect me from this. I need your help. In knowing that we're weak and susceptible ourselves, it directs us to look to God who gives us the grace to endure. And whereas God's, with God's help or without his help, we'd have every reason to be fearful of what the enemy, of the enemy's temptations. Standing firm in Jesus, as Ephesians 6 tells us to do against the spiritual attacks we face, allows us to be at peace knowing that we're more than conquerors in Christ and that the enemy isn't somebody that we have to defeat. He's already been defeated through the gospel. That's what it tells us. And God has given you the weapons to stand firm against his attacks. Paul tells us this in Ephesians 6.15 when he's going through telling us that we're in a spiritual battle and he's listing the spiritual weapons that God has given us. In Ephesians 6.15, he says, for shoes... Or basically the foundation that you guys are standing on that's keeping you strong. The shoes put on the peace 
that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Or it's the gospel. It's knowing the gospel. Never forgetting the gospel. The good news. It's the foundation that you stand on against anything the enemy throws at you that prepares you in advance for those attacks and then allows you to be in peace in the midst of them. Because as he throws those lies at you about how unworthy you are and how weak you are, you know, all those things he's trying to get you to believe, the answer is always like, not in Jesus, not in Jesus, not in Jesus. You stand firm in Jesus. You're not trying to take him on yourself. You're just like, I rebuke you in Jesus. That is not what Jesus has told me. That is not who I am in him. And that is your confidence. That is your firm foundation. And that leads to peace. No matter what he tries to throw at you. Paul also telling us in Ephesians 6.18. Pray in the spirit at all times. And on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. For all believers everywhere. So when he's talking about the spiritual battle. He's saying persistent prayer. Is what is going to keep you ready. It is what's going to keep you focused on the Lord. It's what's going to keep you in peace. It's what's going to keep you firmly planted in his word. And being able to stand up to the enemy's temptations will avoid sin in your life, which causes all sort of destruction and damage. Everything that leads to the opposite of peace and being close to the Lord in prayer will help you live in his word or obey his word, which only leads to blessedness in your life. Amen. So again, seven reasons why prayer is necessary for peace in our lives. Because number one, we're guaranteed a reward. Number two, God knows what we need better than we do. Number three, because of who God is. Number four, because our lives are fulfilled in his will being done rather than our own. Number five, because God is the provider of all of our needs. Number six, because we need forgiveness. And number seven, because he keeps us from sin and the damage it causes. As the worship team comes up here, I just we're going to have a response time. And, and if you're struggling with fear today, if you're struggling with worry, if you're anxious, this is a word for you right now. You're here or you're watching online because the Lord wants you to live in the peace that you can only find in him. And you have complete access to it. Don't listen to the enemy's lie that somehow, well, I just don't know how to do it. Well, here's how you start. You pray. You go to the almighty, powerful God that knows way more than you do, has way better answers to anything you're facing than you do, is way more capable and powerful to handle whatever big thing is in front of you that has promised that he loves you, that he will never forsake you, that he will work it all for your good, that he's for you and that he's not against you, that nothing will separate from his love, that nothing that comes against you will be successful in this life. That's who you go to to handle it for you. You figure out what it is and you bring it to God. And so we're going to spend these last moments with an opportunity to do that. Just right where you're at, we're going to have our prayer team around the room. If you want to come up and, and, and talk to your brother and sister and ask them to bear that burden with you and go to God and petition him on your behalf, come up and get prayer. If you're somebody here today that hasn't placed your faith in Jesus, basically you, don't, you wouldn't say that I, I don't have this relationship you're talking about with the God of the universe. 
I would guess that you don't have peace because of that. You're worried about a lot of things. Because before I had a relationship with them, that was me. I had no sure expectation of good. I, I, I thought I did in decisions I was making. But like I said, those decisions always proved to be bad ones more often than not. That's one of the reasons why I realized I needed a savior, why I needed Jesus, because I sucked at leading my life. I needed him to be Lord of it. I needed the surety of safety that could only come with knowing the God that created me. And you can have the same thing today. That's why you're here. That's why you're listening online because God through his word is drawing you to himself, revealing truth to you of your need for him. And it's as simple as acknowledging that you need him. You need him to save you from your sin. You need him to save you from yourself. You need him to be Lord of your life. And if you, in humility, acknowledge that, he will come into your life and he will be your everlasting father for all eternity. And you truly will have nothing to worry about ever again. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you so much for this reality of our salvation and the peace that has come through it, Lord. Lord, again, we don't want to be those that just sit here today and agree and say amen and write it in our notes and underline our Bibles and then go right out that door and start worrying about everything going on around us in our life. That's not your will. We want to be doers of the word. You wouldn't tell us this was possible if it wasn't possible. So Lord, if we're struggling with this, we ask you to teach us and show us why we're struggling with it. You've given us this way to do that through prayer. You've given us access to you with just no interruption, knowing that you desire us to come to you with these things, knowing you desire us to to go to you so you can take care of us so that we don't worry. Instead of worrying about things, we pray. We give them to you with thankful hearts, with thankfulness, knowing that you, you only have good plans for us and you've always been good before. So we can truly thank you no matter how you answer because we know it's going to be good. I pray for that for anyone in this place today that is struggling even now. I know that we all can struggle with this, so this is applicable to all of us, but now... Set them free, Lord. May they find their peace, not in things working out the way they want or in some other person or some other thing. May they find their peace today in you, Jesus. The one they can take courage in because you've overcome this world. In Jesus' name, amen.